If you or a loved one has a hoarding problem, let's work together on a solution. Hi there, James. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate you um, taking the time to come and share uh, with us. James is a U.S. Army veteran and uh, has a book that he recently published around suicidal thoughts and um, imposter syndrome and how we can overcome those things. So thank you, James. Welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, like you said, I am an Army veteran. Or if I'm understanding a Navy veteran, correct? Yes, I am. Uh, we still love you. <laughs> I am an Army veteran. I served with the 101st Division from 1999 to 2005 when the Army said, okay, we've broken you, now we're kicking you out. Uh, I was medically discharged in 2005. And uh, as you also said, I just read a book. This is the book. It's called Finding Your Personal Mission. I always try to show it off a little bit. Finding Your Personal Mission is a book that covers my journey as a suicide survivor. Um, a lot of people that deal with stressful situations, such as hoarding, if you say you talk about, deal with suicidal thoughts. They deal with it because one common thread, and that is imposter syndrome. And that is something that I've really focused on since starting to write, uh, starting to write this book. Imposter syndrome is quite plainly put the feeling that you're an imposter, the feeling that you are a fraud. I've faced that personally, and I know a lot of people who have that will admit, yes, I have faced imposter syndrome. And what it does is it holds you back from asking for help. Most of the people that I know that face that are veterans. I can't ask for help or people will think I'm a fake. Or that you're weak or, or somehow weak. asking for help is a negative thing versus the strength that it takes to actually ask for help and say that you're ha having an issue. Exactly, 100%. Um, when you went through basic training, it's most likely the same as when I went through basic training, the drill sergeants told me, you have to have a battle buddy with you at all times. Everywhere you go, you have to have someone there. Was it that way with you? Well, I don't remember the messaging being exactly that until I was actually out in the Navy and you would go on Liberty and basically you were supposed to have someone with you, you know, to, to help you navigate and to just kind of watch each other's back, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and I really think once you leave the military, unless you're involved with other people who have that same mindset, it's really easy to get off on some other track where, like, you don't know what your mission is, and you don't have those same connections anymore exactly um it's it's surprising they didn't do it in basic training for you i with with me if a drill sergeant saw you out and you did not have someone with you you were in trouble uh, going to check the mail going anywhere outside the barracks you had to 
be in at least pairs. Wow. And especially when you went, when you approached the drill sergeant, you had to have someone with you. And a lot of times people would say, hey, McNeil, would you come with me to see the drill sergeant? I need a battle buddy. Okay. I was everyone's battle buddy. And literally everyone did the same thing. Um, if they couldn't find me, they'd find someone else and say, could you come with me to the drill sergeant? I need a battle buddy. And then like you said, when you get out, I rebelled against all that stuff I had drilled into me in the military. I, I'm a little bit of a rebel, I will admit that, and I rebelled against so much. Keeping time management, getting up on time, working out, yes, I got fat, I'll admit it. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, the, the battle buddy concept of having someone that you can depend on. Well, I can do this myself. And that was the, the mentality that I had. And that developed into, well, I was so sure I could do this myself. If I ask for help, people will think I'm weak. And that's where I, I think it's so much, like, and like you mentioned in the beginning, around the hoarding and imposter syndrome. And it's like you're, you're a different person when you are in certain situations and then if that expectation changes then you like let certain things go i mean i've had issues with processes you know like i really need a process in place for things to happen appropriately and the military is great about the process piece but i didn't carry it over as much as i should have um into other aspects of my life but um, but, you know, I can relate to struggling with the idea if I ask for help, then I have a, you know, that's weakness. Or um, if I'm questioning, what am I doing? What's my purpose? You know, um, and if you don't find a battle buddy to help you kind of navigate that, you do really end up lost, I think, in, in whatever journey you're on. So very true in that. Um, when I first got out of the army, I took what my drill sergeants had said, what the recruiters said, what NCOs throughout my career had said. You get out of the military, people are going to want to hire you because you're a veteran and everyone loves to hire veterans. Well, that's not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Boone Cutler in 2014 said something that really got my attention when he said that 46% of hiring managers say it's a challenge to hire veterans because of PTSD. And it's a huge issue. We, we, we shove our issues under the rug, like with PTSD or um, other depression or anxiety. We just kind of push it under because we're afraid of the repercussions of saying we have this issue and there is even in hiring there can be a, a bias toward not hiring someone with that issue because of they're afraid of lost days and they're afraid of interpersonal issues in the workplace and the other part i have noticed is there are places that focus on hiring veterans but they don't focus on what you need to do to retain them, what you need to do to challenge that um, 
the leadership, not to challenge leadership, but you need more challenges to be motivated in your work. And yes. I think it's too easy because you're always looking for that. You know, what's your next promotion? How do I go from E3 to E4? How do I promote from this position to this position? What things do I need to take on to prove that I am valuable in this organization? And a lot of organizations outside of the military aren't really focused on that retention piece. And I think that's a part that is not focused on enough um, for people that are focused on hiring veterans. You need to have more than, yay, we felt we filled the blank today. You know, you need to have more than that. <clears throat> You're absolutely right. Um, and when, you, when you're talking about retaining veterans, retaining these employees that you've picked up, the one thing that comes to my mind is the corporate culture. Um, the corporate culture in so many cases is not friendly to veterans. Um, you have exceptions to the rule, but those are veteran-owned companies. Um, it took me a very long time when I first got out of the Army to find a good job. Um, I worked for the company that did customer service for a large shipping company. Um, now I'm not sure if I should say the name of the shipping company, but its initials are UP and S. You can figure it out from there. <laughs> <laughs> but we did customer service for, for UPS, and UPS as a, co as a company, I don't know their corporate culture, but this company that did customer service was not, was not veteran friendly. They just, they weren't. Uh, the stresses that, that veterans dealt with, especially the people calling every day and cussing us out because their packages weren't there, even though they just got shipped. And, or when Hurricane Katrina hit and their packages were stuck in limbo because people's safety was more important. And we got cussed out for that. That just was not good. Well, it's not good on a customer. Uh, I mean, as a person, it's no fun dealing with angry people like that. And no. it's not, and there's all, there seems to be this tendency to blame whoever answers that call for whatever the problem is. And I spent six years in a call center <laughs> oh, dealing so with uh, medical claims. And so there's a lot of confusion in those in how that process works and you would, but you would inevitably get blamed that that claim wasn't paid or something, even though you have nothing to do with that. You know, you're just looking at the status and where was that person eligible and that type of thing. But, and I think as veterans, we are programmed to kind of respond to that <laughs> in a way that might not be customer service oriented because it's about boundaries and like what's acceptable you know, it coming into your ear. I mean, I find my ear is very personal space. You know, even if I can't see you, <laughs> I can definitely hear you. What you're putting into my ear, yes, 100% personal space. Um, but mm -hmm. I got, like I said, I got out of the Army. I ended up working in this call center. Um, eventually ended up going to work, back to work in a factory. At this point, I had almost almost 10 years of experience in various types of factories. Mm. I hated factory work. So during this time from 2005 to 2008, I attempted suicide twice. Mm. Um, 
as you can see, I was not successful. And then in 2008, the plant manager of the factory I worked for held a meeting and said, well, we've hired too many people. We need to let some of you go. Mm. The good news is if you opt to be laid off through this, you can go back to school on us. And I said, yes, please. And then I went back to school through the community college, the local community college, and got an associate's degree in business. And I thought that would be enough and ended up not being enough. And since then, I have been floundering, trying to find something, realized that I had a very good talent for writing. Um, in 2016, I wrote my first book. It's called Nuggets of Gold where I take different quotes of different people and uh, for a wide variety of authors, uh, everyone from C.S. Lewis to Malcolm X to Confucius. I have a huge variety of authors because I believe that the truth is the truth no matter who says it. Right. And, and that, that goes very much counter to what a lot of people believe. Oh, that man is a racist or he's a bigot or he's a sexist. Okay, well, doesn't mean he wasn't wrong this one time. We can call him out on this stupidity later. But in this one quote, he was right or she was right. You know, talk about all that later. But this quote is true. And I believe the truth is the truth, no matter who says it. And I think something we desperately need is truth and it needs to be spoken. I believe you can do it with kindness and empathy, but that's different than nice because nice glosses over. Kindness is about being direct and being um, kind of in a coaching mode, I think, where, where you aren't letting people get away with as much because you are wanting to see a positive outcome for them. And I'd also like to say, I'm glad that you are here <laughs> and that you are doing the work you're doing because it's such a needed voice and such a needed aspect of people becoming um, better versions of themselves. But you don't get that if you stagnate. And like you said, you had a choice to go back to school and, that, and you could have stayed in something you really disliked, or you made that choice to do something different to change that trajectory. And I think what I see is that it's a decision. We're always making decisions along our path that are directing us one way or another. And I know when I went back to school after being in the military, it was very strange to go back and focus on education and let's talk about this in some kind of mystical way, you know, and it was quite a transition to go from working for other people. And then now I'm here in this like learning mode more so. Going back to school was definitely strange. Um, I was in my thirties when I did it the first time and I went back in 2018 and went to the University of North Carolina in Wilmington mm. and started going for my bachelor's degree. And how was that transition? 
It was made a lot smoother by the student veterans of America. I'm wearing their shirt now. This is mm. from the national convention last year. It was made a lot smoother by them, but it was very interesting. It was, I wouldn't say rough, but I can't say smooth. <laughs> well, and then diving back into like, once you have your associates, because I did a similar path. I did, I got my AA and I waited a while and then I went back and got a bachelor's and it was, there's just lots of things, transitions that happened even when I was focused on that, a lot of things were happening personally that I didn't foresee when I went back to school. And um, I think that having a way to smooth that transition is great. You know, if there's some a resource who can help you with that, because there are a lot of unknowns depending on where's that funding, are you getting your GI Bill, you know, what's available to you. Um, but I know a lot of people who have gone through uh, a position that is downsized and then they're able to go back to school and that's just a big game changer. You know, you're able to kind of step out of the norm, whatever it was that you were doing before. It is, you, I love the word you use, game changer, because the, uh, in 2017, in July of 2017, I had to think there for a second, but in July of 2017, I was connected with a group called American Corporate Partners. Mm. Um, one of the UNCW employees just got connected with them as a mentor. I was a mentee, and I worked with a mentor uh, named Dominic. And Dominic encouraged me, find out how much time you have left on the GI Bill. Now his entire purpose was, let's make you more employable. Let's go to the local community college and see if you can find a certificate or something that you can do. Um, you learn how to drive a forklift, which I used to drive a forklift on, on jobs before. I just had to relearn it. Um, something I could get through a certificate at the college that would make me more employable at the local level. And I said, I mean, I found out how much time I had left. It was almost enough to finish the degree. I said, I'm taking it. I'm going to go for my, for my bachelor's degree. So I applied for the, uh, shortly after the last almost attempt, which was in September of 2017. Shortly after there was when I applied to be, to return to school at UNCW. Then I got accepted. And then in January of 2018, I went back into academia. And it was so different at the university level as to the community college level. Um, at the community college college level, I graduated with a 4.0. Highest honors, I was in really good shape. Then I got to the, to the uh, university level in my first semester after the class. Mm -hmm. I could take it again because they gave me the option, if you have a C minus or below in any one class, you can get great forgiveness and take it back take that class again and, it, and your, your lower grade will not count for the GPA. And I'm so glad that they let me do that. That adjustment was very rough to start with of community college, smaller classes, easy to understand, university. Okay, this is where we're going. Why aren't you there yet? Mm. You know, I remember a, a professor I had after I'd been 
working on my bachelor's for a while, but I was really concerned about this course. And it was like a 400 level course or something. And it, I hadn't taken that many of that higher level course. And I, but I had a conversation with that professor, which was a pivotal moment, you know, and it's one of those times when I actually said, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, just read the material, study it, show up here, do what you've been doing. And it was one of those things that I rarely ever would have said, I, I'm struggling. And because I did, it was encouraged, I got encouragement to keep moving forward. And to this day, I can still remember that conversation about the fact that often we're like a sleeper, like in an engine, in a car, you may not know what's under that hood, still you start revving that engine. And essentially, that's kind of what started me on a path of thinking about what if that's really true? Like, what if I'm not working up to my potential yet? And I found that conversation was a pivotal thing. And had I not made decisions earlier on to be in that environment, who knows where, you know, would I be sitting here talking with James McNeil, graduate and author today, had I not had <laughs> a pivotal conversation with someone who said, I like, basically, I believe in you. So keep going. And for me now, that's kind of one of my themes is keep going, you know, because you were talking about quotes, and then I'll you know, when you're going through hell, keep going, Sir Winston Churchill. And it's one of my favorites because if you're in that space, why would you want to stay there? If you can figure out how to keep moving forward, you will eventually escape that. It, it just might take more time. And Whoa. so I can appreciate the challenge of returning to school and going, okay. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is along the same lines of that one, but it's from Confucius. Um, it says, it does not matter how slowly you move as long as you do not stop. And mm. to tie this into your mission of working with people who deal with hoarding issues, you look at this huge mountain, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, but you look at this huge mountain of an obstacle, whether again, be a physical or a mental obstacle, and you think, how am I going to do this? Keep moving towards your goal. You, you know what your goal is going to be. Your goal is your goal. It's not mine, it's not Tammy's, it's your goal. Right. Keep moving towards your goal. That's what I had to do when I was overcoming suicidal thoughts. In 2018, like I said, I went back to school. Um, Siobhan Norris from the, from the college, I always give her a shout out because she was such an amazing leader to me at that college. Mm. Uh, Jay Richardson and Corey Click, three that were very, very instrumental. Within my first week, they said, we want to give you something. And I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. What did I do? <laughs> they, and, and so we were at what they called an involvement fair. An involvement fair at the college is basically, here's our student group, come join us, we're cool. That's the, way it, that's the way it works. After the fair, Jay and Siobhan took me to the Veterans Resource Lounge and gave me a bag. I still have the bag, but they gave me a bag that had a laptop in it. 
I'll not talk mm. to you. It's if we see you working, we see you trying to, to better yourself, we want to give you something that will make it easier for you. But that one gift started things because that one gift was their signification. They're, they're putting it into an actual action to show we believe in you, we want you to succeed. Um, and it reminded me of going back about eight to 10 years when I was at the community college, one of my instructors, her name was Patsy Tension. Now Patsy Tension passed away in 2010, but she is still one of the most influential people for me. Mm. Patsy Tension took me to her, when we were in her office and I was complaining about economics. Have you ever had to study economics? Not in any great depth, but I can imagine <laughs> it's challenging. <laughs> you are a blessed somebody and you don't know it. Um, <laughs> economics is one of the hardest classes I ever had to take. It was micro, which is the, the smaller level, and then macroeconomics, which is the nation's uh, the mm. national economic level. I was studying microeconomics and it was hard enough. And my goal was to graduate with a 4.0, straight A's. But I had doubts as to whether I could get an A in that class. And Patsy Tension was talking to me about it and we worked through some of the questions I had. And she said, you've got this, why are you worried about it? I said, I want to, I want to earn an A. So she takes me into the hallway and she shows me this full length mirror. Now, why they have a full length mirror in the hallway, I don't know. She takes me into the hallway, she shows me this mirror and she says, can the person in that mirror get that A? I said, I, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was so shaken in my own abilities with this class because this thing had really kicked my butt. Mm. She said, can the person in the mirror get that A? So the only thing I could say was, I don't know. So she gives this dramatic sigh and I, I really think she's being ever dramatic for my benefit. She goes back into her office and she gets a paper. She comes back out and she reads it to me. Whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you are right. That's a quote from Henry Ford. And that quote made its way into the book, the, the uh, Legacy to Gold book. Whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you're absolutely right. And that is what empowered me to finish that course. That is what emp empowered me to finish the community college with a 4.9. She passed away before I graduated. I never got a chance to tell her that I, that I earned that 4.0, but something tells me she knows and she's happy with that. She's probably a guardian, a guardian angel of you, you know? I would not wish that on her in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, it's amazing how one person's moment of connecting with you it, it so, is so pivotal and you can remember it for years, you know? It's like, it's, it changes who you are in some way. It really does. It, it changes who you are by connecting you to who you could be, to your right. potential. And um, once again, to tie this back into what you talk about with hoarding, you, you see this, this obstacle that's keeping you from doing what you wanna do. Can you overcome that obstacle? Picture a mirror in front of you. Can the person in that mirror overcome that obstacle? Because your answer to that question is everything. It literally right. is everything. 
because whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're still right. You have to totally 100% believe that you can overcome this obstacle, whether it's an obstacle that leads to suicidal thoughts, whether it's an obstacle that leads to hoarding or keeps it going. That is an obstacle you have to believe you can overcome because if you don't, you'll never take that first step. And if you do take that first step, you're not going to try. I mean, why would you try if you're not going to succeed? You have to believe you can succeed. And that is so true. And it's so much about the mindset and shifting your mindset into um, what is a what is possible. You know, what is your potential? And how can you overcome those things that are getting in the way? And I think it's so valuable to look at... Um, where you want to get, you know, where are you going? And once you look at that, then you're able to start taking steps and make decisions that are in alignment with where you want to go. And until you start shifting that mindset, you are going to be stuck no matter what you are, what you're dealing with. And I, I think in business and in life that that is one of those things that um, makes a huge difference is that mindset and figuring out, you know, what, what it is you want to do and start overcoming some of that negative with positive and you can't do it alone. I think that's the thing. You're so much was, better off. That was if, my next statement was just because you, just because you believe you can do it, don't think you can do it by yourself. It's not an either or situation. Either I can't do it or I have to do it by myself you have to have a partner. You have to have someone that comes alongside you and says, let me help you. That could be your relationship. That could be your best friend. That could be for us as veterans, it's our brothers and sisters in the military. We support and look after each other, each in our own special, each in our own unique way. But we're here for each other. And that's the, that's the difference. We're not going at this, these obstacles by ourselves. Excuse me. And I think that's why it, your book is so important because finding that that next mission is critical for success once you leave the military, whether you retire or you do your four years or you are, are forced to get out for a medical reason. I mean, you have to start figuring out what's your next mission. And I think once you do that and you don't do it alone, it, you have a much better chance at success you know, and, and moving forward, even if it's a little, you can't quite see the path, you know, it helps to have people there with you. And so it's just so valuable. I hear, I've had so many conversations with people who floundered because they didn't know what their next mission was. And once they kind of found that direction, it made all the difference in the world. It does. Um, Another quote, like I said, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a quote hog. I love collecting quotes. Another quote of my favorites is from John Maxwell. There are two great days in a person's life. The first day is the day they're born. The second day is the day they know why. Successful people know why. And it's amazing how many years can go on between those two events. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, no, I'm not English. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it took me years to figure out I was going, what I was going to do and talk about hoarding and why would I do that? And, and so once you take, and I think part of it also is once you figure out what, that your struggles might benefit others, I think it's easier to share, to share them once you realize that maybe there was a purpose to all of that and you couldn't see it. I couldn't see it at the time, but now, now I have a better idea of, of what or why I'm on the path I'm on. But I think it helps to have good quotes and good books and good mentors and start surrounding yourself with the people you would like to be like. Um, and, and that will help you move closer toward what your, what your potential would allow you to be. 100%, yes. Yeah. Um, so where you, can people find you? Where's your book? How do we, how do people connect with you? The book is located on Amazon. Uh, you can search Finding Your Personal Mission on Amazon, and it will take you to the Kindle version as well as the paperback version. Um, if you have Audible, you can find that on Audible as well. If you don't want to be buying another book to, to clutter at your house, like I get the feeling. But if you don't want to buy another book, then you can get it on Audible. Uh, there was a very, very talented young man that, that did the reading for me. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash find your personal mission. That's how you can get to the Facebook page send a message to the page. If you have any questions, I'd be glad to help you out any way I can. Just remember two things. The first, you can overcome this. And the second, you are not an imposter. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about your book. And I encourage everyone to check out what James McNeil is doing and uh, check out his book and help other people too, because really we have to do more and awareness isn't it. There's more actions we can take. And I appreciate the fact that you are showing us how to do that, James. I appreciate that. Also, uh, you referenced, there was a video I did earlier today where I talked about it. awareness is not enough. Um, if you are personally in a good headspace, you say, I don't need this book, I'm in a good headspace. But you know, I know my friend, Bill, I'm just saying, you know, I've got a friend named Bill, Bill or Jack or whatever. They need this book, get them a copy. Don't tell them, go buy this book because they would probably be like me in that situation and say, I don't need that. I'm not gonna spend my money on that. Get the book for them. You know, and, someone and who it's uses a, this book, get it for them. And it's a great way to say, hey, I was thinking of you. Hey, I, I know you might be struggling with this. or And you never know what a ripple effect that action can have. I, I can't tell you how many times a card or a book or a something has shown up in my mailbox. And I'm like, oh, I matter. It's like this reminder that someone was thinking of you. And what a great exactly. way to to help someone remember that they are valuable. And it's not saying you matter, it's showing, hey, right. you matter to me. Right. So even if you're not 
even if this doesn't apply to you, you say, I don't know, I've been listening to this, none of this applies to me, that's perfectly fine. You know someone who could use this book, go ahead and get it for them. And that's perfect. Definitely recommend taking that action. It has definitely been a pleasure talking to you, Miss Tammy. I am loving this. I don't I don't want this conversation to end, but I know we both have other things we have to get to. Well, I appreciate this conversation too, and I love that we can just talk about these things and you kind of don't know where it's gonna go. But I think it's the right message for the right people, you know. Exactly. And not knowing where a conversation is going to go is pretty much my life. I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> I love a great conversation, though. They're so valuable for us. 100%.